I'm Danielle Royston, and this is Telco in 20. We've been talking to several software vendors lately about moving to the public cloud, and I love this topic. So we're going to continue the conversation. One of the biggest areas in Telco software is BSS. In fact, there are over 500 vendors in this space. While there are a couple of big guys like Amdocs and CSG, which bring in billions of dollars of revenue, most BSS vendors are small, bringing in less than $100 million. And when you decide to pivot your products and pivot your company towards the public cloud, this is a very expensive and very lengthy process. So today on the podcast, I wanted to talk to one of the smaller BSS vendors about their move to the public cloud. Andre Jelenka is the CEO of Porta One, a BSS provider based in Canada. Porta One has begun to refactor their applications and they've selected Oracle Cloud as their hyperscaler of choice. And so I wanted to have Andre on the podcast to talk shop, talk cloud, and see what Porta One is up to. So let's take 20. Andre Jelenka is co founder and CEO of Porta One. Welcome, Andre. Thank you. Awesome. Well, first, I wanted to explore what is Porta One. I think you guys are an open architecture, open source code, telco BSS company. So I guess, tell me a little bit about Porta One. Who's your target customer and about how many customers do you have globally? Uh, yes, we provide telecom operators with agile tools that allow them to build their own service provisioning new services in very short time frame, and then be able to support it and not go crazy about it. Port One came into existence from my co-founder days in Telenor when we were struggling yeah. within this horrible choice. Do you buy a black box from a commercial vendor or do you try to build something from scratch? And mm -hmm. either one has its own drawbacks. So we decided to find something in the middle. It's a commercial system, supported, documented, but we do provide source code, open architecture. And our motto is radical openness, radical transparency. And about how many customers do you guys have? Uh, about 400 customers in 90 different countries. Uh, yeah. We haven't sold anything to Antarctica yet, uh, <laughs> but I'm trying, I'm working on it. One of my buddies, he is working on this polar station there. So I'm trying to ship them some of the VoIP phones. That's awesome. Antarctica, right? Mm -hmm. So that's cool. So, you know, I think everyone knows what I talk about all the time. So yes. on the Telco in 20 podcast, I really talk about telcos moving to the public cloud. And I think everyone has a little bit of a different idea about this and a different approach. And so let's start there. What do you think about that move to the public cloud? Do you think it's going to happen? Uh, yes. So it's not a question if it's going to happen, it's more about when and how. So we're all climbers. We stand at the bottom of a mountain. We look at the summit. We all want to get there. Question is which road we're going to take. Mm -hmm. And okay, maybe some of the people will not even succeed. Yeah. So I have this funny joke because Elon Musk, you know, he's always updating everyone on his mission to Mars. And he said that he thinks it's four to six years before humans are on Mars. And so do you think... Elon Musk will put people on Mars before the majority of telcos running their applications on the public cloud. I guess, when do you think that will, will happen? Well, if Musk says in six years he's on Mars, then I think he will beat telcos to public cloud, or at least he will beat the uh, majority of telcos. 
I I would say it's probably about 10 years time until we'll have majority of them really using public cloud and not just like launching some small applications there. I agree with you. I think it's a longer journey. I think a lot of people outside of telco don't understand how slowly they move and how intertwined these applications are. And so bringing it back to Porter One, you're the CEO and co-founder, you're the leader making decisions about that move. Have you started to move your products to run on the public cloud? We started this about six years ago. Mm-hmm. We launched our first customers in the cloud about four years ago. And since then, my goal is to move as many as possible of our current 400 customers in the cloud. It doesn't go as fast as I would like it to. Mm-hmm. And part of the reasons is just psychological. Sometimes yeah. people have this emotional attachment to the servers, those nice blinking lights in their data center. Keeps them warm uh, at night. Yes. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's just infrastructure issues. Like we have about 20 operators in South Africa. Most of them would be willing to try the cloud. Right now, there is no Oracle data center in the cloud yet. And mm-hmm. I'm sure as one is going to open, they're going to line up. This is what happened when... Oracle finally opened data center in Brazil. We had customer calling them and asking, okay, you said it's going to be open on the 24th of August. Can we start moving on the 25th? That's awesome. So it sounds like you guys have placed your bets on Oracle Cloud. That's true. We did our evaluation about six years ago. We were comparing AWS, GCP, and we went with Oracle. And maybe if... When we'll be talking in five years from now, we'll see if I'm going to regret the decision yeah. which I made back then. Mm-hmm. For us, one of the decision factors was we have all those existing on-premise installation. And it was clear the migration is not going to happen overnight. So for a number of years, we would have to live with supporting on-premise customers and some already be in the cloud. So we had to create some unified technology because it's unsustainable to support two products for a number of years. And we also did specific testing for telecom performance, for network performance. And back then, Oracle, they had this latecomer advantage, but they were already putting in for bare metal, for transparent networking. So back then, what we were able to get for network performance from Oracle was better than AWS GCP. And did you pick Oracle because you're using an Oracle database or there's components of your system that use Oracle? Or it really just was, I looked at four different clouds and this was the best solution for what we thought was needed technically? Well, maybe it was a subconsciousness choice. I was working with Oracle since 1995, since mm-hmm. version 7. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. back then, it was about the cloud performance for yeah. real-time and networking. It was cost. And the database wasn't that important because, yes, we use Oracle Rack for our larger customers. But in the long run, I don't think it's going to be something important because there are better options for scalability and performance now with the cloud. Yeah. You know, you're not a billion dollar company. You're one of the smaller vendors. So today it sounds like you're supporting on-premise and the Oracle cloud installation. Are there other configurations you're supporting? Like what happens when a customer says, I want it to run on, you know, Red Hat OpenShift or I want it to run on AWS. How do you address that? Right now we indeed, we just have Oracle cloud as an execution environment and on-premise. Migration to AWS is 
possible, and we discussed it with a customer, so far when they see the attached price tag for the migration compared with the benefits, there have been no real desire to go that route. And what we try to explain that they are buying not cloud capacity, they're buying our application. So what they care about, what's the performance, what's the reliability, what's mm-hmm. the operating cost. And because we, as a provider, we take care of the platform. So we use the tools we guarantee it's going to work. So there's no compelling reasons to just switch for our application from Oracle Cloud to AWS. Although in the future, I'm trying to keep my options open. There are more and more advanced tools which are only available in the cloud, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. also less and less attachments so as we pull in those existing operators from their data centers into the cloud, we will be able to do more. So our strategy is to, step one, make them used to idea of its gradual migrations, get into this mm-hmm. agile mentality. Like for the last 10 years, our release cycle is seven weeks. That's what we do. And we're trying to get telcos into this slow but steady evolution. And then in each step, we'll be taking a few more pieces. And so after a few years, well, we can say, you know what? After this migration is done, there's nothing left in the data center. Those servers... They're now in the public cloud. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you're doing that slow move over to the public cloud, is they're trying to keep it cloud agnostic and not really sort of deeply integrated because you're living in two worlds. You have one foot in the data center and another foot in a public cloud. And so when you look to your R&D team, where you're like, we can't pick a cloud database because we're splitting the world. And so it forces you to sort of make less optimal technical decisions. Are you guys struggling with that and, and having that problem? Uh, yes, I'm an engineer myself. Sometimes I have to fight within me, the CEO of a company, which thinks about the operations and strategy to move our customers, an engineer who says, wow, this is a cool toy. I want to play with it. But you can't. (laughs) (laughs) Not for now. I have to hold them back, but what I'm trying to make sure, it's not just um, just saying no. There's a plan. These cool toys, they can wait for a year. And that year will be spent moving pieces of a application of infrastructure in the cloud where we can take advantage of them. So it's not delayed indefinitely. And we'll get there. And some of the calls are available immediately. Like right now, we're having a project of moving our OSS part, which does provisioning external systems. Mm-hmm. It was a typical application tied to our system, reading the data from Oracle database. So now we're moving into a cloud. It's going to be based on temporal.io. That's the workflow engine. The same mm-hmm. one is used by Uber and a few other companies. So invincible workflows which can survive crashes, external system outages, and everything. And that's the the toy which I brought to my engineering team for this year as a a Christmas gift. Um, Three to four years, I want us to be either in the public cloud or I hope by then there's going to be no situations when government regulation just requires some on-premise installations. But then it has to be really big private cloud Kubernetes or maybe private instances of Google, uh, AWS, which allow that. Well, I think what ends up happening, and again, I was a CEO of a software company and I was struggling with the same problems, which is I can't support everything because I don't have enough money or people, right? I can't say yes to every single deployment option. 
I can't say yes to Azure and GCP and AWS. I can't say yes to bare metal Kubernetes and OpenShift and hybrid cloud. And so you kind of have to pick. And it it's really hard when you don't have infinite money and infinite time. It's really hard to say no to the telcos. They famously put a lot of pressure on us to say yes. And so I think with the approach of a slower migration is that it, again, you start to make less of an optimal technical decision. And then number two, I think you're putting off what the most important thing is here, which is refactoring your application. And so it's leveraging the benefits of the public cloud. So my next question to you, is that is that how you sort of see the next 10 years and the evolution of your product? Um, a bit different. So the strategy is we have a typical monolith application. So we are biting off a piece of it. And if we just take that piece and put it in the cloud and put a cloud stamp on it, it's uh, useless. In Ukraine, a few years ago, it was extremely popular. They would sell mineral water with the stickers, uh, GMO-free. <laughs> it was water, but it was very popular to put uh, the stickers on it. So I don't want just to put a sticker of this application piece runs in the cloud. So when we take out a component, it's our chance to redesign it and change it architecture and deploy it in the cloud as it should be. Mm -hmm. But because of the capacity limits on the engineering side, we can do only a certain amount of redesign and new implementation within a period. So I want to make sure we focus on the things which we can do, we can mm -hmm. deliver, and mm -hmm. they already add some value now to the telcos. We don't have to wait for a few more years when we'll come out with this new perfect redesigned version. Yeah, I, I think people don't really understand when you're trying to take a traditional software company like Optiva or maybe even Porta One, where our roots were deployed in a sort of client server arrangement, perpetually licensed software with maintenance, deployed on premise, and now moving into I think everyone's really excited about SaaS companies and recurring revenues and subscriptions, and I'm going to manage the application for you. It's a little bit like changing out the components of a flying airplane, right? But the thing is, is you're not just changing out a seat or painting it a different color. I mean, you're literally taking out the engine of a flying plane. You're still supporting customers. You're starting to do R&D. They want features for 5G and you're trying to tell them to wait while you invest in cloud. And so it's really, really hard to switch out all the components of the airplane, switch it to be a high recurring revenue, SaaS business, running on the public cloud, cloud native, refactored. It just takes a lot of time and a lot of money. And that's a really, really hard thing to do, right? And I hear a lot of conversation in the industry of like, oh, I'm doing that. I have a SaaS business. I'm cloud native. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and so we start to talk on the podcast about it. And I'm like, no, you're, you're just moving things to the public cloud. You're just picking up your application and you're moving it there. And then you're putting off like this hard work, which is switching out the engine. And I think people don't really understand how hard it is. And the smaller you are, the harder it is because you just need more money. And so I think what you're doing is awesome and it's really, really hard. But I think people underappreciate that challenge of at what point do I refactor this application and make it truly cloud native? And at the same time, bring my customers along with me and they're excited about it and they're ready and excited to take the product updates. It sounds like that's the challenge for Porta One. It's, it's moving fast enough that you're ready for the future, but bringing the customers along so you don't lose them. 
Exactly. That's the challenge because we want to go to the cloud. We see the path, but we don't want to lose our customers on our way there. Mm -hmm. And right now, I'm not claiming our applications cloud native. Yeah. And for me, cloud native, I'm trying to avoid the definitions which are based on, okay, if this technology is used uh, or the other technology and architecture. Yeah. So if yeah. we come up with uh, this complex definition of what cloud native application is, instead of trying to develop it, people will start, okay, how do we satisfy all the requirements? What kind of workarounds should they make? The most important thing to be called cloud native, okay, when you think about components of application as a whole, what is your process of updating and deploying it? Can you do this by individual pieces? Mm -hmm. It's a pod. There's a multiple containers. You don't know how many of them will be, but you have to already accept the fact and design the rest of application considering that. So it's mostly about how you're going to use the application and how are you going to maintain what's going to be the operating procedures? Yeah, I mean, for me, people like to say cloud native and cloud native can be anywhere, right? I had someone on the podcast a couple episodes ago that was like, cloud native could be bare metal. And, you know, their definition was it's running in Kubernetes. And I'm like, I think it's more than that. I think it's running natively and using components of the public cloud, right? Like starting to use the databases and fully using the elasticity. But I agree. It's become a buzzword versus like a technical definition. There's a super big buzzword in an industry and that's 5G. And maybe the second biggest one is cloud native. So <laughs> when you think about the Porter One roadmap, you kind of mentioned some exciting things. As you look forward, what gets you really excited about what's coming down the pipe for Porter One? So for us, uh, it's two things. First one, it's the joining the code management and configuration management, because I think this is something which is missing in the cloud applications. And about 10 years ago, we built a tool which allowed us to manage unified configuration of all the servers, all the application pieces from one interface and replicate and apply it. And the tools like this will become just a standard part of the operating cloud applications. And the next thing it's about the workflows, because right now when we write an M application. It's a whiteboard with some drawings, and then developers start to translate that drawings or documentation into the actual code. So the mapping between what it should do and what it actually does, we have some glitches there. So mm -hmm. it's okay, develop workflows initially. There are low-code, no-code tools which help with the business logic level, we recently launched a project in South Africa when provisioning of a mobile virtual network operator was programmed entirely in low-code platform mm -hmm. within us and the mobile operator. Yeah. And now something comes up tomorrow, it's very easy to change. To change, yeah. Right. And uh, have to go on... through a bunch of revs with IT and coders. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. And on the like, low-level tools like Temporal, I think it's great because it's a shift in programming. So you don't have to put so much mental efforts on the developer who has to think about all the little details provided by the infrastructure. So developers would concentrate on writing the actual business logic. I think that's a really big, exciting idea. And that sounds awesome for Porter One. So you live in Barcelona, which is where MWC is. And at the moment, MWC is supposed to be held at the end of June. And on Twitter a few weeks ago, I saw Keith Dyer from the Mobile Network 
tweeted an article from a Spanish newspaper called El Español saying that MWC might be moved to the third trimester of the year, which I guess would be September through December. And so I'm planning to go to MWC. I'm planning to go in a super big way. And I called over to the GSMA and they were like, no, we haven't made an official announcement yet, but you're on the ground. So what are you hearing in Barcelona? I moved to Barcelona in 2019 and I was so looking forward towards Mobile World Congress 2020. The first mm-hmm. year I don't have to live in Airbnb. Yeah. Right now, I'm a bit concerned. I think there's a very high probability it is not going to happen in June because I think we are slow with vaccinations, but I keep my fingers crossed. Oh, me too. I really, really want to go to MWC 21. I hope they don't have to postpone it or cancel it and we get to have it. That's what I would say if I were talking to GSMA. So maybe they're listening to me, maybe not. (laughs) We'll find out. But Andre, it was super awesome talking to you about your plans with Quarter One. I wish you the best of luck and Hopefully, I'll see you in Barcelona sometime soon. Oh, thank you. Stick around because we're ending each podcast with a Telco in 20 takeaway. I have 20 seconds to tell you something you need to know. I totally believe that the future for Telcos is the public cloud. And I agree with Andre. We're a long ways off. It's going to take a lot of money and a lot of time until the Telcos start to embrace the public cloud. This means you have to make the call now on which technology you're going to go with. For example, for Andre and Porta One, his big bet is on Oracle Cloud. I had to make these same decisions as CEO of Optiva. I won't deny it. It's super hard. What are you going to bet on? Amazon, Microsoft, or Oracle? Public or private cloud? Which database will you pick? The problem is many technologists make big decisions based on where the technology is today. And they fail to think about where the technology will be in five or 10 years. And so I'll bring it back to telcos and their decision to use the public cloud. That's what this podcast is all about. The tech of the public cloud is not perfect today. Latency isn't blazing fast everywhere. There isn't a data center in every corner of the world. Not yet. But you have to remember, the hyperscaler spent $97 billion in CapEx in 2020, and they spent close to half a trillion dollars so far. Their tech will get better faster than the telcos can build it themselves. And so this is what telcos need to think about when they reject moving to the public cloud and instead decide to go with a private cloud because the public cloud tech is not ready today. By the time the telcos are ready to move their applications, Where will the tech of the public cloud be? And if the tech will be ready by the time the telcos are ready to move, the telcos need to start moving now. It's what my friend Jim Abel talks about. To be a disruptive leader, you can't be a DW, a disruptor that is wrong. You have to be a DR, a disruptor that's right. Can't forget about Jim's wisdom. Be a DR. (laughs) These are big decisions, and I'm going to keep talking about it. If you want to get in on the conversation, let me know. I'm happy to have you on the podcast. Send me a text at 925-TELCO-DR. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Share our podcast with your colleagues. And if you liked what you heard, leave us a review. Let's connect on LinkedIn and on Twitter at TELCO-DR. And please sign up for our email newsletter at telcodr.com. Later, nerds.